Start your engines and join me in the new mobile game, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar. May the best superstar win. Available now. In a world full of straight people, aren't you glad there's WOW Presents Plus, the number one place in the world to see Drag Race? Subscribe to WOW Presents Plus. Still only $4.99. Subscribe today as streamed on TV. I'm Matt McConkie. I'm a writer, performer, and host of this podcast about And Just Like That. But now that we've recapped both seasons of the show, I couldn't help but wonder, should I go back and cover the original Sex in the City? The answer, of course, is no, but I can't be stopped, so every week I'll be joined by my very own Mirandas and Charlottes to unpack an episode or movie of their choosing. We're doing Sex in the City Roulette with extra Samantha and none of the Che. And just like Matt, welcome to the show. Folks, before you ring in the new year, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but let's say it's New Year's and you're about to ring it in. But before you do that, let's ring a ding ding in this perfect episode of Sex in the City. It's season four, episode 16. It's called Ring a Ding Ding. HBO's logline is Carrie must deal with a serious financial challenge. Miranda and Steve grapple with the details of raising a baby. Charlotte has a hard time letting go of Mrs. McDougal. And Samantha tries to get more than just pricey presents out of Richard. In other words, it is the one where Carrie asks Charlotte for a loan. Well, she doesn't ask her for a loan, but Charlotte gives her the ring, basically. And you listeners are all going to want to put a ring on both of my guests today. It is sexy for sexy, style for style. Comedian, actor, writer, producer you've seen in Bros. He's written on The Mindy Project and the other two and so much more. Guy Branham, welcome to the show. Hello, good to be here. Thank you for joining us. And we are joined by the showrunner of the long-running hit Bounce TV and Hulu series Saints and Sinners, also the creator and star of the gay romantic comedy web series Three's a Crowd, Nigel Campbell. Hi, Shugs. Hi, Shugs. Hi, guy. Hello. So you two have met. You have a long, long-standing <laughs> rivalry. Tell, tell me, the, before we talk about the iconic friendships of our gals, tell me the story of your iconic friendship. Aww. I think it's defined by us falling asleep on each other like four to five New Year's in a row. Absolutely. Nigel is one of my girls. Because <laughs> 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 we, we've, e- we've known each other for, God, over 15 years at this point in time. And, you know, we like we've been there through many journeys. Like, truly, Carrie getting on the bus that she is on Definitely took me back to Nigel was on a bus ad. <laughs> with oh. Matt. With Matt. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought it up. I'm so glad you brought it up. Let's circle back to those bus ads. <laughs> Nigel, you how how do you rate your level of fandom in general when it comes to Sex in the City? Oh, very high. Very high. You know, I was definitely at both of the movies opening weekend. I went to college in New York City. So mm-hmm. while it was airing, so I think that it was definitely, you know, kind of, I was infused. I was very much in the DNA of it and in the energy of the original Sex and Cities run. You know, Balthazar, mm-hmm. Pastis, Magnolia Bakery. These were all things that we had to check out because they were like on the show and, you know, a part of our New York 
of course moment guy what's your relationship to the, the the source material i mean i enjoyed it at the time and i thought of it as like a, a silly little goofy thing that i enjoyed and as time goes on my respect for and appreciation for the writing and the comedy and really what it meant in the evolution of single cam comedies like every time you watch original sex in the city like the amount of skill and craft going into it from the you know from the writers but also just getting to watch sjp deliver a goddamn joke i mean she can fucking eat it up and then move along and we needed to see her do it to have the world of single cam comedies agreed Absolutely. I mean, it taught us so much about brunch. We know how to do brunch because of this show. <laughs> I mean, like, I I need to know, Nigel, why you were so committed to this episode, but it was, it like, it was such a satisfying episode, but like that, br- like that brunch scene giving hooks to like Samantha's plotline, which is connected to none of them mm-hmm. in any other way, but like, <laughs> it just does so much. Uh, you know what it is, guy? I like mess. And mm-hmm. I happen to be a big soap fan. You know, I, I'm born and raised on the uh, daytime and primetime soaps. I run a soap opera, if you will. I like the messiness and complications of friendship. I like mm-hmm. when people are forced to get outside of their comfort zone and look at that person that they know so well and ask, like, hey, why'd mm-hmm. you do that? And I thought that yeah. this was a really interesting moment and it was a really interesting turn for Charlotte specifically, we see her in a way we don't generally. And I really, I don't know, I like the mess. Plus it kind of resonated yeah. for me in a lot of different yeah. ways too. But I Same, don't love. same. <laughs> I know, this one was triggering a little bit. Yeah. Now, I always ask people if they identify as a Carrie or a Charlotte or what have you, but I, I would actually like to just peg both, well, I'd like to tell both of you what I think you are and you can tell me. I mean, I think Guy is a Samantha full stop. Is that fair? I mean, just for the puns alone? Uh, I mean, yes. And honestly, it life is about transitioning from Miranda to Samantha. You know, (laughs) like there was a a time when I was very solidly Miranda. And no, I'm very comfortable in my Samantha. Well, that's right. What am I? Because you are a lawyer. You were a lawyer. I'm a lawyer, I and I used to be. I, I used to be practical mm-hmm. to some extent, <laughs> but uh, no. Like coming to my Samanthaness, owning it has been very empowering, and it really was so charming. You know, and just like that is so satisfying in so many ways. But getting to have mm-hmm. Kim in there, you know. Purring out a couple of punchlines was exactly. very satisfying. From the backseat of a car. That's right. It's great. And Nigel is a carry, I think. A, a writer, a romantic, a seeker. Does that ring true? It, it rings true. Here's the thing. I hesitate to call myself a carry because I feel like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm the carry. And I'm like, well... I have my own issues yeah, for sure. with Carrie, but yeah. I, I, as I, you know, look deep inside myself, I think that there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of Carrie there for better and for worse. But also, there might be I a think, Samantha mm-hmm. Moon in there. But, yeah. but the, this is a great episode to remind us that Carrie has her yes. issues with Carrie. Absolutely. You know, one of the great things about the show is that, like, protagonist never meant boring. Protagonist never meant not. Yeah, specific. and protagonist never meant perfect. Absolutely. 
And we're definitely yeah. reminded of that here. And so, you know, the episode opens with, oh, I mean, first of all, a, a Wizard of Oz quote, which, you know, th- th- thank you, MPK, for that. And and Carrie's fixing her toilet and pigtails and baggy jeans and rubber gloves. I love the moments when SJP's version of, like, looking like shit comes out and she still looks just so yeah. adorable <laughs> and perfect. But Aiden's moving out, but he stops and fixes her toilet on the way out because that's who he is. But also, no, but let's just take a moment to look at the very real groundwork she did for Adorable. Like those moments when Carrie Bradshaw is in overalls, like, you know, Zoe Deschanel could never have worn her floofs. You're so right. Absolutely. Also, have you guys ever fixed a toilet? Because I've never felt more proud of myself than in those moments when I've fixed a toilet. And it's happened multiple times, one of which was in New York City. When I was there on a visit, and I'm like, I should have my own HGTV show based solely on <laughs> this feat. Truly, I was literally going to ask if either of you could, because I, I don't think I could. I can, but you can teach yourself anything with the help of a YouTube video. It's true, yeah. And or if you got an aid in handy, he'll just come in and do it for you. And now, I, because I'm watching these out of order, are you able to help place us in time? where we are in there. Obviously, they've just broken up and they're breaking off the engagement. He's moving out. But is this right after she cheated on him with Big? Yeah, pretty soon after. A big mistake. Yeah, that is the big mistake that we're referring to. Okay. And where are you at emotionally with Aiden, Guy? Then and now. I hate Aiden. Oh, wow. I have always hated Aiden. I do not think he is a good boyfriend or interesting in any way. John, what's his name, always struck me as a little goofy, and I was never able to fully divorce him from the Northern Exposure mm. universe to say this is a person in Sex in the City. That said, I don't love Big that much either. I don't love Mikhail Baryshnikov. Mm. I, at the end of the day, am a burger man. Come on. I like burger. That's a <laughs> scorching hot take. Especially considering what he did to us. Although, I mean, I keep I say this every week on the show, like, we need a burger return in it just like that. I mean, talk about unfinished business. Yes. Carrie oh, finally yes. getting to uh, get some answers about the post-it note. Like, let's go. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I don't want him for her, yeah. but I would love to see a burger return, like, just for an episode. She can break up with him through an Instagram reel. There you go. <laughs> and once again, we've broken an entire episode for them all. Nigel, where are you? There we go. There we go. Um, Matt, you know that I'm very much, I'm very much on board for the campaign of us bringing yes. in Patrick Dempsey as a love interest for Carrie. I feel oh, like I that's really that. the direction yeah, to go in. At this point. And and where are you with Aiden? Um, I like Aiden. I don't love Aiden for Carrie. Um, I think that she obviously had her hesitancy to commit for a reason. I I'm not a big apologist, but I do think that they have amazing chemistry and she could never really, really let go of Damn. him and she got him. So I don't know. I, I, I was, I was rooting for that couple cause that's what she wanted. Carrie wanted big. So and I, I wanted big for Carrie. wanted, well, I mean, ultimately I, I think like all of us prefer Carrie single. There's, there's just more for, to, to chew on there. I'm happy for where she and Aiden are right now. I want them to end up together in maybe 30 years after and I'm talking seasons, consecutive seasons of it just like that between then and now until they finally get together and we all <laughs> die. So let's talk about money because we really get under the hood of Carrie's finances here because Aiden's making her buy the apartment. We learn exactly how much money's in her bank account, how much she spent on shoes. And we'll get into the friends and money thing. But first, 
Big just gives her a check for 30K, which she later tears up. But I got to say, I was kind of with Samantha, like, just take the check. Am I wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. No, she should have absolutely taken that check. Um, I think it would have solved all of these problems if she had taken that check. And, you know, listen, Big is an ex, but she's not, but he's not an ex that she has this like terrible um, energy and current situation with, you know, and he's not precious about the money. He has plenty of it. He's giving it to her. He's not charging her interest on this loan. Just take it. No, no. Mm. Big is somebody who goes through the world buying and selling things and people, and she needs to be something that he cannot buy or ever have stake or ever have owing her in that way. And also, like, I worked (laughs) on The Mindy Project, a show where people were literally constantly buying real estate for the heroine. Like, there was just, there was a lot of, you know, like on Modern Family, like, they bought a magic shop for Julie Bowen bought a magic shot for Ty Burrell. And I'm just like, this is not <laughs> relatable or human in any way. And I think it makes sense in Sex in the City to have him offer because he is a billionaire. That's his job. It is New York where, you know, for some people, money flows like water. But I really thought just sort of, I can't cede territory to this person. Right. Because like, mm. Guys, she's going to go on and have decades more issues with this person not being able to treat her as a real human being. And I, I think that this was a, a powerful moment that allowed her to marry him for, you know, 10 awkward years. <laughs> That's right. And she's going to spend that money after he's dead and buy a new, a new place on Gramercy Park. Absolutely. This is true. This is true. I just felt like we shouldn't take away uh, her own, her agency. You know, I think that you get to decide like who has power over you and why. And it's not as if he's her employer, you know, or, you know, someone that like is determining her day to day in that way. Uh, So, you know, if you want to take the money, take the money. I'd rather take that money from him than someone that I'm going to see twice a week at brunch. Mm -hmm. Well, they say time waits for no one and neither should payday. To get your money moving in the direction of your dreams, get Earn In. Earn In is the app that's helping millions of Americans feel self-sufficient without falling into debt traps. Earn In empowers you to live life to the fullest by providing up to $100 a day of your pay within minutes of earning it, no mandatory fees, and no credit check. You just watch your earnings tick up as you work, access up to $750 per pay period. It's easy and free to get started. You just add your bank and employment info. They'll verify your paycheck. It's designed to support you in the short term and long term. So download Earn In today. That's e A-R-N-I-N in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, just type in Just Like Matt under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. That's Just Like Matt under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I'm a big therapy person. I would say for me, the greatest benefit of therapy, if I can look back at all of the years that I have spent in therapy, has been changing the way that I speak to myself internally. You know, everybody always says like, yeah, you treat yourself the way that you would treat a friend. That's much easier said than done. So many of us are our own worst critics and it, it, it takes some 
some some help to untangle that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you get matched with a licensed therapist, you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So take a moment, visit betterhelp.com slash like Matt today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash like Matt. When I was like 23, I had this boyfriend who was a waiter at a popular restaurant. And so in other words, he was rich as far as I was concerned. Like in my world, he was a high roller and there was a month that I could not pay my rent and he showed up and gave me that money in cash and I had to take it. <laughs> and, and, but I was also like, yeah. well, you're my boyfriend. Like this is what we do. And then when I broke up with him like a year later, mm. he was like, and what about that thousand dollars? And I was like, are you fucking serious? I have to, so I should, yeah. So I guess in, in a way that's an argument for Carrie not to cash the check. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still paying it off. I'm almost there. Um, <laughs> Just set up a payment plan, Matt. There is this, you know, tension in the episode surrounding friends and money. <laughs> and I, I, let's put a pin into the, the actual Charlotte and Carrie scenes, but in your own lives, how do you navigate friends and money? Like, how do you keep it from getting weird? I mean, like the times when I have had to be financially reliant on a friend, I felt really guilty and awkward about it. And I think it did lead to distance. But I am also just so appreciative of the times that people were able to be there for me, you know? And I think it's hard to negotiate. You know, it's like, it is it is such a boundaries question that it's hard to negotiate but i think it's important to like be vocal and out there you know that that like it is so interesting that those moments when miranda and samantha are both yeah. like we can do this it won't be e-. like you you sort of understand that from both of them it will take some wrangling but they would be able to be there for their girl and you know, I do think it is unfair of Samantha to storm into Charlotte's place. It's ridiculous, of course, and and the show knows that. But also, like, yeah. she does have this meaningless bobble that she has distanced herself from that can solve every problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that asking for money and accepting money, those are both very, very vulnerable positions to be in. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone wants to be in that situation. I think that my perspective on money is that it it is fluid. And so if I have it, I will give it. And if you have someone in your life and you're in that vulnerable position and they are in the position to give it to you and they offer it, then you can accept it. But I do think that you have to determine what those boundaries are. And also, if you're going to ask for money, be fully prepared for someone to say no and have that yeah. be okay. Have that be okay. Yeah. Like that boundary needs to be able to be set. Yeah, I, I think my sort of rule of thumb is like, especially in LA, it's the the tides turn so quickly. One friend is up, mm-hmm. one friend is down. And uh, we're just, we all sort of 
waiver in terms of like who's working, who's not working. And that's always going to shift. And it's good to, you don't need to know how much like money your friends have. It's good to just have a general sense of where people are at and act accordingly. So if you go to dinner with someone who is clearly doing great and they pick up the check, just let them and, and vice versa. If you are working a lot and doing well and you have a friend and you, you know, they're not, then just pick up the check. Uh, Like I would say that LA is in its way. Maybe I'm wrong. A little bit more of an imperial city when it comes to that, even than New York, because we do have like such a sense of aristocracy here. And it is just sort of like if you go to dinner with somebody who like has a TV show or something, of course you're not paying. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> um, and like when you go to dinner with somebody who's a writer's assistant, like they're going to reach for their card. And of course, you're not going to make them pay. Yeah. And that is nice, but I have to remind myself sometimes, like, it's okay to let other people, like, take care of you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not be weird about it. Yeah. And I also just feel like we shouldn't make it such a taboo subject, especially amongst close friends. I'm not saying, you know, with everyone that you meet, talk about your money situation or what have you. But amongst close friends, part of that friendship is being able to be open and vulnerable about where you stand with things and what you may or may not need. and allow them to help you in the situation where they're able to. It's why I love the bus ad. It's why the bus ad is great because it gets to this notion of like what you think your financial reality should be based on what your career is and your notoriety and all of that. Do either of you remember the film, the TV set? Yes. David Duchovny. David Duchovny. It's about a showrunner getting a pilot. And one of the (laughs) things that happens is, Everyone tells the star of the pilot, don't buy a new car, don't buy a new car, it's just a pilot. And then he buys a new car because he imagines once he has a pilot, he never has to return to being, you know, a guy with four roommates in the valley. Mm -hmm. And so much of LA is understanding that, like, you know, like... I am always so impressed. Wendy McClendon Covey kept her job editing (laughs) a social work journal at Cal State Long Beach through bridesmaids. Like, um, was it Angela Kinsey who waited tables? There was somebody from The Office who waited tables until after the first season of The Office was a success. But just sort of that thing of like, it's so much harder to say, I need a loan when there's you splayed out on a bus ad saying oh, I'm the most fabulous woman in New York. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bus ads, you mentioned this before. Nigel and I had our own brush with bus stop fame. Nigel, yes. care to tell that we story? Were, we were very West Hollywood famous for a moment there, Shugs. That's right. That's right. You know, we, um, we started a, on a web series that was sponsored by the LA LGBT Center in the city of West Hollywood. And, you know, we had very, very serious poses of the two of us on uh, bus ads strewn throughout West Hollywood proper and parts of Los Angeles. Well, it's one of the things I think is funnier even about West Hollywood is that you do have beyond famous, there is the world of gay famous. And Uh like, we all know that like being in an eating out movie does not pay your rent for a year (laughs) with, with roommates. And I think there is this way that people, you know, can like take joy in being able to be like, ha ha ha. He thinks he's so sexy being in a movie that I find sexy, but now he is a bartender. Look at him. Yes. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. I, I think some of that was happening with that 
waiter that I dated with me and those bus stop hats. Mm-hmm. You were all we were also on condoms, so I'm sure that, oh, that's that also right. played into it. You know, condoms Every that they gave someone... out in all of the gay bars, a fishbowl of free condoms mm-hmm. with our pictures mm-hmm. on them. I mean, that's exciting. People are going to assume you're doing well if you're on the condom that they're reaching for while they're having sex. Yeah. Oh, God, what a time. What a time. Okay, so the first Charlotte and Carrie scene is the one you mentioned guy Carrie shows up pissed that Charlotte didn't offer her the money. And it's so relatable because, you know, we all know people who just weirdly don't want to use their privilege for good. But it's such a great scene because quickly you are like, well, Charlotte has some points too. Like Carrie is 35 and maybe it is time for her to learn to stand on her own. I thought it was very emotionally honest because I also think people who come from money and who are used to the insulation of money are very territorial about protecting it because they don't know they are they don't understand a world where they do not have that protection so they and you know they have learned the skills from their parents about how to be cold and waspy about it but also just what a triumph of direction that scene was that like you had arranged flowers in between but you literally had two people stalking each other around a table Mm -hmm. and it was just like Like, every time I watch Sex in the City, I'm like, you managed to take everything we learned from 1990s independent film and turn it into something so much glossier and better and more electrified. I'm in love. (laughs) What I loved about, especially coming into that scene, is, you know, Carrie does say in the voiceover that it is irrational that she's showing up in this angry angry state. However, she makes a really, really great point with Charlotte in that – in the previous scene, when she's, you know, when they're all discussing the money issue and the check, should she take it, should she not? Charlotte turns away from her. She yeah. is not doing the nodding, is not doing the listening, is not providing the support or the empathy. She turns away from her friend. And you don't have to offer somebody money, but you better offer your friend some care and you better yeah, offer yeah. them some support. And she doesn't do that. And so for that reason, I was like, that was a very rational response from Carrie when she showed up in that way. But she still doesn't owe you money. So there's you know, right. the back and forth of that. Well, I mean, the, the fundamental behavior of like, I'm allowed to be desperate to you. You are my friend and I'm going to come here and force you to see me be desperate because I'm allowed to be desperate to you is something I really loved. And then also just the way like the way you had that what costs too much from every one of those storylines. Like I did really love that it was like a beefy, beefy Carrie Charlotte story because you essentially had two sea runners. You, like you had Miranda and Samantha both out on little sea runners, but both so beautifully asking questions about what costs too much. Right. And and Miranda so beautifully farting through every scene. <laughs> Can I just say one more thing? I did find it really Charlotte was correct in saying that, you know, yes. A 35-year-old woman or man or individual should ideally have their financial, should be able to stand on their own two feet financially. That, that's true. That being said, don't ever say that to me. <laughs> don't Why ever. Why you say that to your friend? It's so patronizing. They're here being desperate in front of you, being vulnerable in front of you. It's not helpful in that moment. Well, I, I and I really loved the honesty of it. Like, it was such an interesting reflection on Carrie to be like, she makes a good living off of what she does and she's been living in the like it's not even really living in the moment it is kind of like 
living like it's her 20s and also just sort of uh you know the almost greek tragedy of she had a 750 rent controlled apartment and she flew too close to the sun thinking (laughs) she got to own it and you know of course it's eventually great that she owns it why like i do not approve of her selling it and i'm just like that (laughs) um you know that apartment is a character but yeah like it was it was such a good snapshot of who she is and sort of being reminded of like oh shit i've been doing great but i need to change the terms on which i am doing great yes and we also we're not all gifted park avenue townhouses in our divorces you know that's a certain level of uh privileged and blessed that we're not on the receiving end of yeah you know, this show is all about honest conversations where we, we really face our fears. And for some of us, it's a fear of aging. For some of us, it's a fear of carbs. And hey, I get it. The fear is real. But that is why I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor, Hero Bread. Hero Bread has remade many of your favorite foods, but in these fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein, and fiber. Two of my favorite things. I've always said, if I ever have twin children, their names are going to be protein and fiber. What did I have for lunch today? A tuna sandwich on their seeded bread. It was the perfect texture. It toasts up just like a dream. My God, was it good. And right now, if you go to hero.co and use code like Matt, you will get 10% off your first order. So don't give up on being a breadhead because Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co, use code LikeMat at checkout. That's LikeMat at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Yeah, and, and you know, meanwhile, Samantha's got this Richard runner where he's buying her gifts, but he's not giving her love. And I just was reminded, you know, we, I say we, have dated so many snakes and creeps over the years on these shows but richard my god is especially vile what a villain matt have you have you ever read sex in the city no you mean just re- read the uh, yeah the scripts no, no 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 i'm talking about the book the uh candace bushnell book oh no i haven't um it's really bonkers the first time i had to live in new york i read it to like celebrate the experience and she does describe a manhattan where there are so few men that she can date because Mm. they kind of have to be you know white millionaires who are four years older than she is and i'm just like what a reductive view of the world and i do think that they managed to funnel it in a really funny way into who samantha ends up dating but it's like Samantha makes mm-hmm. her own goddamn bed. And I like I love that the the end of that sea runner was she successfully plays him and then realizes she does not want to play herself. Like, Absolutely. She, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's unfortunate. So good. He is such a villain, but also I think that they have such hot chemistry. I think he's super sexy in that role. I really, really, really wanted that to work out. And, you know, I knew that it wouldn't, but I was really rooting for that initially. Any scene between Samantha and a random gay man is a good time. (laughs) And also on the subject of random gay men, Mm -hmm. 
what what was your reaction during the jeweler scene when we got a full on faggot and then another ethnic slur by the end of the scene? Ooh, yeah, I think I think the, uh, the are we allowed to say the word gypsy? The gypsy <laughs> phrasing was actually more triggering for me than the faggot baguette. <laughs> I was just thrilled to be back in a time where you could pull off that wordplay on a television show. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was something there was something great about it. Yeah, it was like, well, this woman is a monster, but she's got away with words. Also, the exciting moments when I thought it was Debbie Mazar, and then it was like, oh, wonderful. Some woman who always lost roles to Debbie Mazar booked something. <laughs> finally, yeah. Somewhat, a role that was described as a Debbie Mazar type, somebody else finally got. You know, we also see Miranda and Steve with, you know, fully pregnant Miranda negotiating, like, can they also have have sex now that they're not together, but um, she's really horny. Where are you guys with Steve, you know, then and also now and, and just like that? I feel like this was a reminder of how much sexual chemistry they actually had. I mean, he's giving her multiple orgasms mm-hmm. and... He was really hot in this scene. Like Steve, you know, being really, really, really wanting to get down with horny, gassy, pregnant Miranda was very, very sexy. And it sort of made me sad for what we were getting in and just like that with what I feel like a sort of an erasure of the sexual chemistry and the desire that those two had for each other. You know, I'm all for Miranda exploring her queer identity and having some revelations about who she is now. That's fine. But I did think she didn't necessarily handle Steve with the care that I would have expected. And I just think that on the base level of sexual attraction, that was a part of their relationship. So I would have liked that to have been a little bit more consistent. I mean, there was a fun way during the Sex and the City years that, like, Steve was constantly forcing Miranda into indignities. Like, she's so fun. Like, even when she's having to talk about farting and her sausages or sausage fingers, it's still, like, with that amazing Cynthia Nixon delivery, it's so fun. I think it is a fun game, and I'm worried now that we've painted ourselves into multiple corners on And Just Like That, where, you know, we all like this guy. Miranda likes this guy. And, uh, you know, I don't know, like, where happiness is for Miranda, except for, I would like to now pitch, he, they, Steve. I think if we come to a point where Steve manages to move somewhere trans of cis, maybe then they can negotiate a relationship that will work for both of them. Yeah, because there is is a connection there that even if the, you know, Miranda's sexuality means that they can no longer be together. Yeah. There's something between them. And I was hoping that ma- that they would maybe even negotiate a marriage, an open marriage, where they could stay partners and sleep with other people or something. So just to keep Steve in the picture. But One thing that is amazing watching Original Recipe Sex in the City is this very sexually liberated show has a sexual conservatism that does seem deeply anachronistic now. And mm-hmm. there are so many... I mean... That episode where she's just shocked and offended by a male bisexual is hilarious. <laughs> but oh, there, right. like, I do, I wish the show were capable of being broad minded enough to be able to say that there is space for a, an open marriage between a person with a penis and a person with a vagina. Yeah. So we have this 
you know, final scene between Carrie and Charlotte, they sit down, you know, Charlotte gives Carrie the ring and tells it her to use it for her down payment on her apartment. And I am of two minds about this because in some ways, like this has always been such a perfect Sex in the City moment for me, where once again, like the yeah. real love story is between Carrie and her friends. But on the other hand, like, I don't love that it had to mm. be alone. Carrie insists that it's alone, but also Charlotte very quickly is like, oh, I know. Like, that's what she had in mind. It's like, isn't it cleaner if you just say this is a gift? Like, I didn't pay for this, and I don't want you paying me back to hang over our friendship. No, not at all, because at the end of the day, it is two actors in a scene that was written by other people. And I feel like when television shows throw around pretend money without real stakes, you get off in space and it becomes less real. And I realize that Charlotte has a lot of money. And I do think like there's something so beautiful about like this ring that is her dream, handing it over to Carrie to be able to create this other dream. And I think that making it alone grounds it. Like it, it grounds it in a state of friendship and reciprocity that makes it more real to me than if it were just sort of like, you know, it will. And, and I, I think it's it's awkward to like put it that way, but like if in something that is a TV show, well, we could all be writing each other million dollar checks all the time. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, and I would say to that point, you know, clearly in previous scenes, we've seen that Charlotte does have some misgivings or hesitancy about giving money at all. So it might not be as true to character for her to just give Carrie, you know, a ring that's worth 40,000 some odd dollars. I will say though, you know, over the course of the show and movies and now and just like that, Charlotte has evolved in such a beautiful way that she is such a caretaker and is such a mom and does just fully lead with her heart that I could see Charlotte now being like, here you go. (laughs) Don't even worry about it. (laughs) Just take it. Well, well, I I also think that that moment is more about Carrie than it is about Charlotte, just in that Carrie has had a wake up call. Carrie has sort of realized like, you know, I've, my financial value I have put into these shoots. They are a core and significant part of who I am, but maybe I want to evolve you know evolve beyond that does does the show ever yeah. make her evolve beyond that no they give her a rich <laughs> husband and then kill it <laughs> although i think this is the beginning of a, yeah. of a career turn for her like that it's this, this wake up call maybe it was a it was a a gesture mm-hmm. of respect for charlotte to call it alone and not a gift because this is i think when you know carrie starts working more seriously at, for vogue she starts writing books mm-hmm. releasing like she does start to thrive Absolutely. financially you know and maybe we can well credit you know charlotte she sort that. of has these epiphanies throughout the episode in her voiceover you know she has this moment where she asks you know how do you maintain a sense of value when you have nothing concrete to show for it And I feel like that's a very real question that a lot of people start asking themselves. And maybe this was the wake up call to start asking that. Not that your value needs to be based on, you know, a tangible thing like an apartment, but you might still start asking yourself those questions. But, and it is so just like, Mm -hmm. like, I don't, there is so much richness in Carrie's life. Carrie has up until this point, like given herself and earned for herself such a magnificent life. I think she's just getting to a point where she realizes she needs to like, evolve that Mm -hmm. 
Also, just like yeah. on a superficial note, Kristen Davis has never looked more beautiful than in that scene. And she's yeah. like, it's it's oh, really, yeah. really gorgeous. And it's like a beautifully like delicate performance too. And yeah. And you also mentioned the directing, like that scene after the Chinese restaurant where they're like walking down the street in Chinatown with the fans and yes. Samantha and oh, Ma- yeah. Samantha and Miranda what both put shot. their arms around her, but Charlotte's kind of in the distance separated from them. I was like, yeah. yes, chef's kiss. Such a good, I'm trying to frantically Google who who wrote and directed this episode. I should have known that. The director was Alan Taylor. Alan Taylor. Mm-hmm. The writer Great work, was Alan Taylor. Amy B. Harris. Love them both. Love everything they've yeah, both I'm, done. I'm in support. Of, I'm in support. Tell me a bit about your feelings about and Just Like That. Guy, speak your truth. <laughs> it is the most charismatic thing on television. Che Diaz is the most charismatic thing on television. I loathe Che Diaz. I was Che Diaz for Halloween. <laughs> no. <laughs> How did I not know this? I, there are no photos. <laughs> uh, like, uh, it is so hard because, you know, I think that so much of the magic of Sex in the City feels like it is underserved by you know um by and just like that and just like that is trying to to grapple with so much i just wish and just like that we're better at putting two of our main characters on on a plot together (laughs) it was was nice to watch this and just sort of like you know carrie and charlotte were on a story together and it was very satisfying but like it is a, an addictive show that I have such love and annoyance with, and I can't get enough of it. I, 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 I really, I've watched every episode. I'm, I will never miss an episode. Uh, I think that says a lot. Seema is really fantastic. Uh, she's given me a lot of those things that I'm looking for in a show that is about friendship, where you are sort of like faced with the messiness of it. I think that she and Carrie have had stuff, like two of my favorite scenes within the canon of, yes. of the show. Um, you know, with the outside of the hairdresser, the scene reflecting on when Carrie, well, when Seema breaks the picture frame with Big. I think that both of those scenes are really like two women facing each other in a really, really honest way and having to confront the way that they're kind of dealing with the world. Um, so applause uh, for that. Also, LTW. I just want to watch her all the time. I think that I think that Nicole Ari Parker oh, yeah. is mm-hmm. easily the most beautiful human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just so much eye candy, her wardrobe, mm-hmm. her everything, her husband, all of it, her world yeah. is yeah, yeah, really delicious. Any other uh, parting thoughts on Ring and Ding Ding? I think that what I really appreciate about this episode is that it forced these two friends to talk about something in a way that they may not have discussed it before. I think that sometimes when it comes to money, some people are afraid to talk about it because they feel like it might not not only taint the relationship, but possibly taint them. I think sometimes people think that like money issues are contagious. So they just want to mm-hmm. leave it off the table entirely. But I think at the end of the day, when it comes to the people that you're close to and your close friends, you have to show up for each other and you have to be vulnerable with each other and sort of deal with that messiness. And again, no one owes you money, but they do owe you support. That's mm-hmm. right. And um, my last question is, can either of you lend me $40,000? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Guy Branham, Nigel Campbell, thank you so, so much. Thanks for, for having me. Thanks, Shucks. 
And that's our show. Please do give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at and just like Matt Pod. And Just Like Matt is a World of Wonder production created and hosted by me, Matt McConkie. Our executive producer is Renee Colvert. Our associate producer is Jess Walensky. And our audio engineer is Justin Matson. Many thanks to Michael Pressman and everyone at World of Wonder. 